Support for Defiance comes from Kraken, consistently rated the best and most secure Bitcoin exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy and sell Bitcoin. With 24-7, 365, world-class customer service, you can trust Kraken to support you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Available at kraken.com or via the mobile app, which is available on the Apple and Android app stores. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. The name is Ari Ben Menashe. I used to work for Israeli military intelligence, and in that capacity, I met uh, Robert Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell was the partner of disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein, who died in his cell last year after being charged with the trafficking of underage girls. Ghislaine has been accused of procuring girls for Epstein and his friends and taking part in that abuse. We won't find out until the summer of 2021 what our future will be, but I've been looking into her past. And during my research for this series, I've discovered that her father, the media tycoon Robert Maxwell, had a very murky history and died in suspicious circumstances. Not only that, Ghislaine's father had a lot in common with her former lover. They both had complex and mysterious financial dealings. They both had associations with intelligence organizations or criminal groups. And they both died suddenly, leaving a lot of questions unanswered. I'm trying to answer some of those questions and have been hoping that finding out about Epstein's finances will reveal some of his secrets but I've made some surprising discoveries along the way. Could it be that Epstein and Robert Maxwell knew each other? And could Ghislaine have been the missing link between the two men and the source of Epstein's money? I'm Tom Pattinson, and this is part three of Ghislaine for Defiance. Former Mossad agent Ari Ben Menashe joined the military intelligence in 1977 after his military service and as a Farsi speaker, was recruited to work on projects involving Iran. During the Iran-Iraq war, which ran from 1980 to 1988, Israel was secretly selling weapons to Iran, and Ari was a key figure in that process. Selling weapons to Iran was Israel's attempt to keep the growing dominance of Iraq at bay. Ari claims that to pay for these weapons, Iran transferred money to the Gulf states, which was then sent back to Israel via Robert Maxwell. When I spoke to Ari, I asked him how that worked and why they actually needed Maxwell. From Iran through the Arab Gulf states to Maxwell. Send it back to the Israelis. (laughs) This was to cover the arms deal, the arms being sent to the Iranians. The weapons weren't only from Israel, but the Israelis were facilitating the movement, or basically brokering the arms to Iran. In the Soviet, there were Soviet weapons. There were even North Korean weapons at the time. Now, Maxwell had been involved with that deal from the beginning? Well, he was involved in, 19, in early 80s, early 80s, 82, 83. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. And how did he get involved? We got him involved. Can I explain? Uh, Maxwell, you call him a very rich, wealthy guy and thing. He was actually a desperate guy 
when we met. He was desperate to become rich. He was desperate to be part of British high society. He was desperate to be somebody. And that was very useful to the Israelis. Robert Maxwell was very interested in this because he saw a path to quote-unquote greatness through the Israelis. So Epstein came along when exactly? I met him in Maxwell's office in the 80s. I don't even remember when exactly. I don't he had a working relationship. I, I, I figured that Epstein, a nice Jewish boy from New York, comes to London trying to find, <laughs> get himself into some sort of business. And then he meets the young lady, Ms. Maxwell. And Maxwell thinks it's going to be a good shidduch. So not only did Epstein know Robert Maxwell in London in the 1980s, but Epstein knew Ghislaine then too. It started out as a personal thing. Father Maxwell trying to find a man for his daughter. Interesting, because he was notoriously protective of that daughter. Yeah, that's right. And he liked him. And so he tried to put them together and, and think. It was more of a personal, it started out as a personal thing. And um, that's how it sort of happened. From everything I've heard, Robert Maxwell was incredibly protective of his daughter, so I am surprised he's now trying to fix her up on a date. Robert Maxwell was trying to forge an alliance with the US Kennedy family, matchmaking Ghislaine and John F. Kennedy Jr. The two became friends, but nothing more, and JFK Jr. died in a plane crash in 1999. Also, Ghislaine was in a serious relationship with Count Gianfranco Giaconia Mozzoni during the 80s, until her split with him in around 1990. Sadly, he too would die in a plane crash in 2012 when the jet he was piloting crashed at a South African air show. Maxwell had wanted his beloved daughter to join a major American political dynasty or marry a debonair Italian count. Would he really be trying to match her up with some unknown Brooklyn bad boy? Robert Maxwell would be turning in his grave to think that it was the Brooklyn bad boy that Ghislaine would be associated with for the rest of her life. But perhaps the relationship between Ghislaine and Epstein had started out as a professional relationship rather than a romantic one. Perhaps Ghislaine used Epstein to move some of her father's secretly hidden money away and out of the reach of the banks who wanted their stolen millions back. Martisa Vasquez said in a civil court deposition from 2010 that she heard from a friend of Epstein's that it was Maxwell who was the source of his money. Maritza Vasquez was the bookkeeper of Jean-Luc Brunel. Jean-Luc Brunel was the owner of model agency MC2, which Epstein was invested in. And Brunel was known as one of Epstein's best friends. Brunel has been on the run since last year and is thought to be in South America. He's also been widely accused of rape and abusing underage girls, as well as sourcing underage models for abuse. Brunel apparently turned up at Epstein's birthday party 
with three 12-year-old trafficked French girls who were abused and then returned home on a private jet. The bookkeeper, Vasquez, heard it from the model agency MC2's secretary, Evelyn Valenzuela. Epstein had a relationship with a woman whose father was very wealthy, and that's how he started his own money, they gossiped. Other friends of Jean-Luc Brunel have reported that they heard rumours from conversations dating back to 2002 that Epstein got his money from his girlfriend's dad. But it's hard to confirm any of this, as much just seems to be gossip and faint memories rather than actual hard facts. But if it is true, then that means at least some of Epstein's money may have come from Robert Maxwell's laundered Israeli arms money and via Ghislaine. Could that really be true? I'm still trying to work out, if Maxwell was making money from Israel, what his role actually was. Was he a Mossad agent, as some have claimed? Or was he just laundering their arms money? So, I'm just trying to clarify this idea that Maxwell was clearly working with Israel. But when someone's described as a spy or, or an intelligence operative... I kind of assume that that's their full-time job. I think in this case, uh, it's more that he was an informant, would you say? Or someone, or was he... I would say a friend. A friend. Or somebody cooperating with the Israeli intelligence service and working for them because he made money out of this. He wasn't doing this uh, out of his good heart. He... he made money out of the transfers, he made money out of all that. And at the same time, he was pretty close to the Russians as well. He even invited um, Chabrikov, who was head of the KGB, to London. We heard in the previous episode, he was supposedly moving money for the Bulgarian dictatorship. Essentially, he was shuttling funds between his various companies and banks to clean up the money on behalf of Israel, and presumably taking a nice little cut along the way. Ari is saying that Maxwell was brokering deals with the Israelis. He says he was a friend of Israel, not a Mossad agent like Ari was himself. He was working with Israel, and it appears to be that he was laundering money for them in perhaps some grey zone between official and unofficial, legal and illegal. According to Gordon Thomas, who wrote The Assassination of Robert Maxwell, Israel's super spy, Maxwell made deals with various oligarchs, laundering money for them and bringing in various financial experts to work out ways to avoid the banks and his creditors taking everything off him. Could Epstein have been one of those financial experts? It's widely thought that Ghislaine met Epstein in New York after her father's death. I wanted to confirm if Ghislaine and Epstein actually knew each other before that. The Epstein and the Ms. Maxwell, my encounters with them with, was in Maxwell's office more than once, many, several times, many times. He was always there. And he, he was in a relationship with Ghislaine Maxwell, do you think? Probably some sort of relationship. Could Epstein and Ghislaine have been an item? Did Epstein get to Robert Maxwell through his daughter, as he did with Ace Greenberg at Bear Stearns? And what exactly was Epstein, the sacked banker, doing in London? Why would he end up in Maxwell's office, one of the world's most notorious media tycoons? 
Epstein at at that time was just a, a young fellow coming back and forth from New York to London and uh, eventually Maxwell put them in touch with the Israelis and that's where Epstein started working what kind of connections he took on Maxwell's connections in Israel some of Maxwell's connections in Israel Ehud Barak who was director of military intelligence they seemed to they have they seemed to know each other right well at the time uh, he was then prime minister of Israel and uh, there were other people there I mentioned Ehud Barak because he said no no figure so we're talking senior military senior government senior intelligence people yeah that's right um, at, and at the later stage yes Maxwell introduced them to Israelis Epstein did invest in a company with former Prime Minister Ehud Barak called Reporty Homeland Security which rebranded like so many other companies associated with Epstein as Carbine in 2018. Barak is the head of Carbine. The CEO is Amir Elihai, a former Special Forces officer, and the director is Puntius Bakirs, a former Defense Ministry Director General and commander of the Israeli Defense Force Cyber Unit 8200. Unit 8200 is the Israeli Military Intelligence Signals Unit, like the NSA or GCHQ, the unit that listens into your calls and monitors your emails and browsing history. We also know, in April of 2008, Epstein was in Israel, where he met with a number of research scientists and visited different Israeli military bases. And during this trip, according to another Israeli intelligence contact I spoke to, he debated staying in Israel and not returning to America due to the 2008 case the FBI were building against him. He did return, though, and was jailed in June of that year for 13 months. Photos have also been taken of Barack with Epstein coming out of his Manhattan apartment. We know in more recent years that Epstein had close contacts with high-level Israelis, but we can't be sure that Maxwell was the introduction there. Was Epstein so much of a smooth talker that Maxwell would make him his criminal heir apparent? I really did not want personally and our team to have anything to do with Epstein. So they were kind of like young chances, really, running around trying to see if they could do a few deals here and there. That's right. And then Maxwell liked, uh, liked Epstein, so he kept him around. He wanted him as a son-in-law, I suppose. So with Ghislaine's role, after um, her father died, there was uh, one report that she was seen shredding paperwork in her father's office within hours of his death. Um, do you think she had an, a, a sort of an, an awareness of, of what her father was up to? Of course she did. See, the Israelis were real worried about what occurred. First of all, Maxwell was the very, we'll put it this way, um, he wanted to help Gorbachev at the time. This is important that you hear this out. 
this is key to this. He wanted to help Gorbachev because he had this idea that Gorbachev He lent him, supposedly lent him money, but he gave him money, gave Gorbachev money. And that was Israeli money. When the Israelis demanded it back, he stole the pension fund to give it back to the Israelis. This was the Iranian arms money that Maxwell was cycling back to the Israelis that he instead gave to Gorbachev to help hold up his collapsing regime. Gorbachev never did not last in order to pay it back. Okay, But the Israelis demanded their money from Maxwell. Maxwell felt that he had no choice but to steal the pension funds and pay the Israelis. And once he did that, and once everybody found out that he stole the pension funds, it was about to be arrested by the British government for fraud. And at that point, he died. <laughs> this, but before, the Israelis were very worried at the time that if he gets arrested and starts telling tales about what he was doing, they were worried about that. But anyway, somehow he died. <laughs> Are you suggesting that he was murdered? I have no idea. In explaining the world of espionage, global arms trading and geopolitical influencing, Harry claims that Epstein was part of that cycle of money dealing, influencing and blackmail, all for the long-term strategic gains of Israel. He had a very useful idiot next to him called Prince Andrew. Ghislaine had known Prince Andrew since her university years and remained close to him since then. This guy would bring in the politicians. They were very proud to meet the son of the queen. <laughs> and then they'd go have fun in the evening with Epstein around. That's where the uh, blackmailing starts. And do you know of any any individuals that were blackmailed by Epstein? I'm not going there right now. Israel has a history of using honey traps. Eli Cohen, an Israeli spy from the 1960s who was eventually executed in Syria, used sex as a tool to get people under his influence and to blackmail others. But this isn't what you might see in the movies, a brown envelope with incriminating photos being sent to your office and then a demand for cash. This was a lot more strategic. Although many have claimed there was physical evidence collected by Ghislaine and Epstein for that very purpose. In both Epstein's Manhattan and Florida homes, concealed cameras were found with one hidden inside a clock linked to a computer hard drive and one of Epstein's victims would later describe a room in the house filled with screens to monitor the hidden cameras in bedrooms and bathrooms. Former diamond robber and one-time friend of Ghislaine and Epstein, William Steele, claimed that he saw videos of very powerful people, including two high-profile politicians, celebrities and world figures, having sex, threesomes and even orgies with minors. He isn't alone in claiming that they had dirt on influential people, but still, as of today, no physical evidence has come to light. 
when I say blackmail, we weren't talking about money or anything from the Israeli government. It was just please behave. And in terms of behave, uh, there, were, there was a lot of worry in Israel after President Carter was pushing the Israelis to make a peace that they weren't really interested in. Later on, they were really interested in keeping some of the American politicians under control. A lot of this you're suggesting is really revolving around the fact that uh, the Israelis have been controlling much of this for the last several decades. Controlling the money flows, uh, controlling the the, the compromat, if you like, controlling maybe who gets into certain levels of positions of power, controlling U.S. policy on Israel. Yes, yes, yes. And Ari seems to think Epstein and Ghislaine had been instrumental in this. Do you think that she was potentially the mastermind behind what was going on to collect evidence or to collect blackmail material? She definitely was the smarter of the two. Epstein wasn't uh, a genius. So therefore, she could have continued using her connections. I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. Yes. The Israelis connected her to the her friends in the States and in the UK. We know Maxwell was working with the Israelis, and Ari says Maxwell and Epstein knew each other and were working together. He says Maxwell introduced Epstein to high-level contacts in Israel, and Epstein continued the work Maxwell was doing after his death. For Ghislaine, after her beloved father had died, she was lost and didn't know who to trust. So she flies off to New York to be with the one man who she thinks her father trusted and she can trust too, Jeffrey Epstein. Ari was arrested by the US government in 1989 for violating the Arms Export Control Act for selling arms to Iran, specifically three Lockheed transporter aircraft. After spending 11 months in jail, he was later acquitted when it was made clear that his work was an Israeli government project, as he described it to me. Once he was outed as an Israeli spy and arms dealer, that was the end of his career in espionage. Ari's claims connect a number of the dots in the story, but without physical evidence or financial records, it's impossible to verify his claims. It's just his word, and I find it quite hard to bridge the gap that some failed New York banker is suddenly at the top table with a heavyweight like Maxwell. And Maxwell is going to trust him with laundering his Israeli arms money? So I reached out to the one man who we knew was working with Epstein in the 1980s to see if he could help fill in the blanks. My name is Stephen Hoffenberg. I know Jeffrey Epstein since 1987 and worked with him directly and indirectly through year 2000 at a company that I was part of named Towers Financial Corporation. I've been involved in the Jeffrey Epstein story, this great mystery, for 33 years. I asked Hoffenberg how he met Epstein 
Sir Douglas Lease, who's a very well-regarded, knighted UK gentleman twice, was the client and employer of Jeffrey Epstein after he left and was fired from Bear Stearns and lost his licenses to be a broker of securities on Wall Street in America. So Sir Douglas Lease retained Jeffrey Epstein as an employee, advisor, consultant in investment banking, where Sir Douglas Lease was in arms, sales, money laundering, insurance, and financial products around the world outside of North America. His North America involvement was with Towers Financial, a company that I served as an employee CEO. Douglas Lease was not Sir Douglas Lease. He was never knighted. He was a member of a German-based group of industrialists called the International Order of St. Hubertus that gave each other titles. The Grand Master is in charge. Others are knights. Douglas was a knight. They get together mostly for hunting and fishing. However, Lise is an incredibly interesting character whose name has popped up in conversations I've had with a few people from this era, although almost nothing is found about him online. Hoffenberg told me he met Douglas Lise through mutual political connections in Washington. Lise, he says, was eager to meet a number of senior politicians and the well-connected Hoffenberg was able to provide some of those introductions many of whom were investors or even board members in his company, Financial Towers, including Thomas B. Evans Jr. and Ben Barnes. Epstein first met Lease through Brothman, who he met through his employment at Bear Stearns under its chairman, Ace Allen Greenberg, a very well-respected Wall Street capital markets investment banker who befriended Jeffrey Epstein when he was, Jeffrey Epstein, a teacher at the Dalton School for Young People. The Bronfman name you hear there, the man who he claims introduced Epstein to lease, was Charles Bronfman, part of the Bronfman family who made their millions running illegal booze during Prohibition. The company went on to become Seagram and made the Bronfman family billionaires. This Canadian Jewish family had been heavily involved in Jewish charities and in 1991, Charles Brofman teamed up with his brother and Les Wexner to form the Mega Group, a group of incredibly wealthy businessmen concerned with Jewish issues. Claire Brofman, Charles's niece, is currently serving five years in jail for her role in the Nexium sex trafficking cult. Epstein participated in arms sales in the Middle East and with Asia, and with the UK, Douglas Lease did the radar planes for the UK, and he also did that giant arms transaction that you might be familiar with, and that was the largest transaction done in the UK and in the Middle East and in Asia, El Yama, are you familiar with that transaction? 
He's talking about the AWACS sale and the 1980s arms sales to Saudi Arabia called Al Yamamah for fighter jets and missiles worth tens of billions of pounds. Al Yamamah was the UK's largest ever export deal, and the names most widely associated with the deal are Adnan Khashoggi, who we heard about before, and Wafik Saeed, former arms dealer and now philanthropist who currently lives in Monaco. I spoke with Wafik Saeed to ask if he knew Mr. Lees, and he said he didn't know him. There are no records that Lees was involved in the Al Yamama deal, apart from one reference in Parliament in 1996, where Member of Parliament George Galloway said, Some of those secret commissions of the Al Yamama deal have been handled by British Aerospace through a businessman named Douglas Lees, who has close connections with an offshore bank, the Bank of N.T. Butterfield in Bermuda. It actually went a number of years because it was $40 billion and it had a lot of moving parts that continued on going. Margaret Thatcher's son was involved with that and Robert Maxwell was involved with that. Douglas Lease was on the main team committee in that transaction that was a very big scandal. And Jeffrey Epstein was under Sir Douglas Lease in that scandal. He was essentially his right-hand man. Yes, one of them. Sir Douglas Lease had his two sons involved and Jeffrey Epstein. Yes, Mark Thatcher, the Prime Minister's son, was involved in that deal, much to his mother's embarrassment. And corruption scandals have followed the deal around for decades. Epstein was drafted into that circle by Douglas Lease and Adnan Khashoggi, says Hoffenberg. And as we heard earlier, Khashoggi was the Saudi arms dealer who was instrumental in the Iran-Contra deal, which Ari ben Manash says was just one small part of the wider arms to Iran deals that took place via Israel during the 1980s. Oh, they were absolutely involved in it together. There's no question. They were participating together as a team. Yes, with many others. This is a very large amount of billions of dollars of business that we're discussing, and it required years of work and thousands of meetings, hundreds of contracts, and an enormous amount of preparation and follow-up between all the negotiators on all the sides of the transaction. There were arms dealers that provided this armament for some $40 billion. So you have to consider that that massive amount of billions of dollars generated an enormous revenue for the arms dealers that was providing the armament that ended up moving around the world. So there was an awful lot of profit, yes. Lease, with Epstein as his sidekick, was working with Khashoggi during that time, he says. There's no question that Epstein came into contact with Khashoggi. I was in direct contact with Khashoggi, and I can tell you Epstein was also. And what was the work they were doing together? They were doing arms sales together, and then they were doing money laundering together under the Douglas, Sir Douglas Lease infrastructure. 
so do you think it was quite a close relationship with Khashoggi? It was had? a very close relationship with Khashoggi, yes. His role was to follow the directives of Sir Douglas Lease and Anand Khashoggi because he was on under them, under the direction and management of Sir Douglas Lease and Anand Khashoggi to do what you're describing daily, full-time for years. I want to know if Hoffenberg knew if Epstein had met Maxwell before in any of these dealings. Well, they did meet. They knew each other. So the answer was yes, they knew each other from Wall Street because Robert Maxwell was actively involved on Wall Street. And Jeffrey Epstein knew Robert Maxwell from his times at Bear Stearns. He knew about Robert Maxwell. So the answer is Jeffrey Epstein was well aware of Robert Maxwell's dynasty. Yes. It's been reported by the insiders to each other that Epstein wanted to help Robert Maxwell launder some of that money. And it's been said by the insiders of that of those transactions that when Robert Maxwell died, Epstein and his daughter Jelaine Maxwell transferred the books and records of that money to Epstein's estate in Florida. This ties up with the bookkeeper's claims. Epstein knew Maxwell, and with the help of Ghislaine, he transferred some of those funds from Maxwell's business to Epstein. There was also a claim from an interior decorator employed by Epstein who said that Ghislaine once told him, this is all mine, implying the property he was decorating was actually hers. That's a pretty incredible accusation, really, that that this money that uh, Maxwell had spent the last years of his life nestling away and stealing has been transferred to uh, to Jeffrey Epstein, and that was potentially the source of his, his money. Is that is that what you think? No. The main capital stayed in the UK and in the operations of his holdings in the media empire. But there was outside monies from the arms dealings and the money laundering and the other work that Robert Maxwell was doing that wasn't consolidated into Robert Maxwell's estate. That was never consolidated ever into Robert Maxwell's estate. And it's never been accounted for. Do you know if Ghislaine knew Epstein before uh, they met supposedly in New York in 1991 or 1992? What's been reported about Jelaine coming to New York is that is true. What was not reported adequately is the untold story that Jelaine knew Epstein overseas when Epstein was working for Sir Douglas Lease because nobody but myself and a couple of other insiders were involved 
in that part of the Epstein scandal and Jelaine scandal. So that's not being reported. But they met in the 80s and had a very substantial relationship in the 80s. They had a romantic relationship, you say, in the in the earlier on in the 80s before before Max Robert Maxwell had died. Oh yes, most definitely. They were deeply involved in the 80s. That's how she ended up coming to America and being part of Epstein's life. She knew Epstein well. She didn't just come to America and meet him. That's incorrect. And the story has not been told. So during the 1980s, Epstein's time traveling to the UK brought him into contact with both Robert Maxwell, who he may have consulted for, and Ghislaine Maxwell, who he may have been in a relationship with. Both Ari and Hoffenberg's accounts here tally up. But we do know that the young Epstein and the young Ghislaine were both in serious relationships with other people during this time. Whether they are in a relationship or not, I now think it's almost impossible their paths had never crossed. During his time working with Douglas Lease and Robert Maxwell in the 1980s, his natural charms and mathematical mind helped him build a growing network of influential friends and potential clients. But according to one person I spoke to, Epstein had a falling out with the powerful Douglas Lease, and it was time for Epstein to return to Wall Street. Towers Financial was a company established in 1975. Jeffrey Epstein came along in 1987 and stayed directly and indirectly involved in Towers Financial with his co-conspirators to the first week in 2000 for 13 years. It was a legitimate business until Jeffrey Epstein joined. So prior to his arrival, there was no illegality taking place, everything was above board, and it was only Epstein's arrival that started the irregularities, shall we say. Epstein's arrival in 1987 through 2000 corrupted the Towers financial business, and Jeffrey Epstein made up his mind that he was going to steal from Towers financial and destroy that enterprise. How did he do that? I mean, the, the was it he was actually stealing financial uh, capital from the company? Yeah, he transferred assets to about 15 or 17 front companies, brokerage firms from the Towers Financial Companies, from their two insurance companies and their reinsurance company, and their financial companies. He perpetually transferred assets. Hoffenberg spent 18 years in jail, charged with stealing $450 million, whilst Epstein was not charged. I've been told that Epstein had successfully sued Hoffenberg on several occasions for defamation, but now Epstein's dead, Hoffenberg is more than happy to pin the blame on Epstein. The main Ponzi scheme and money laundering was acted out by Jeffrey Epstein and his co-conspirators at Towers Financial and their 25 companies. So they were potentially uh, using Towers Financial to launder 
uh, money that may have been gained from, say, arms dealing or something like that? Oh, they were using Taoist financial to provide money to them. They were stealing from Taoist financial's companies. That's the how investors... they capitalized their enterprise. Have these co-conspirators um, been charged or, or been yes. named or been brought to justice? Yes. Many of them have. Yes. Not all of them. A very small amount, tiny amount, have been brought to justice because they're standing together in covering this up, but they're being exposed right now. Just in terms of... Um, Khashoggi and Lease and some of the other arms dealers that, that uh, Epstein was involved with, did they ever funnel money to, through Towers Financial? Oh, they were using Towers Financial to provide money to them. They were stealing from Towers Financial's companies. That's the how investors... they capitalized their enterprise and their co-conspirators. They all capitalized on that. He was an investor in the company, or what was yes, his role? Yes, his role was bringing in investors into Towers Financial, which he did very well at. And those investors were presumably unaware of the Ponzi scheme. Did they potentially, were they the people that lost money, or were they the people that may have taken money out? It's hard to say that they didn't lose money, but they definitely took out $100 million. The wow. entire Epstein and co-defendants took out over $100 million out of Towers Financial illegally, criminally. So how did he not serve time? It's a great deep mystery as how he removed his name and changed his name from being listed in the grand jury, which is the first stage of the indictment and arrest of me, he was named all over the place. And then his name disappeared, disappeared. And there's no explanation for that mystery, none. Do you think there may be uh, organizations that have been protecting Epstein because of either his past, the work he's done, or the knowledge he has? I know that is true. There are many individuals who had positions of authority in the government that has protected Jeffrey Epstein. Many. Why would he work for these intelligence organizations? That was the method he used to make his deals, that he had this inside relationship in countries that were giving him coverage, protection. That's what he said all the time. Hoffenberg claims it was these connections that allowed him to avoid prosecution for the tower's financial Ponzi scheme. And the reason prosecutor Alex Acosta gave him such a light deal in the 2008 child sex trafficking case. Maxwell may have introduced Epstein to the Israelis, and Lise may have introduced him to the Saudis. Hoffenberg might have introduced him to the senior US politicians, 
but today, Epstein, Khashoggi, Robert Maxwell and Douglas Lease are all dead, and Ghislaine is in jail. There's only one person left who might know what was happening in those early years. Sir Douglas Lease had his two sons involved and Jeffrey Epstein. Douglas Lease had two sons, Nicholas and Julian, and Hoffenberg sent me a cryptic message saying that I should speak to Julian. There's almost nothing about Julian online. I've been trawling old paper cuttings, company registration documents and social media for any hints of him. It seems Julian's online presence is non-existent, to the point I wonder whether he's even changed his name. None of the Lease family have ever spoken to the media, and they made it clear that they never want to. Tomorrow morning, I'm meeting Julian Lease in a hotel in London. This show was written and narrated by myself, Tom Pattinson. Additional production and sound design was by Danny Knowles, and Peter McCormack was the executive producer. I would like to thank Gary Ben Manash, Stephen Hoffenberg, and the other people I spoke to in the research of this show who would like to remain anonymous. Support for Defiance comes from Kraken, the best and safest place to buy and sell Bitcoin, available at kraken.com, or you can download the app from the Apple or Google App Stores. I'm Tom Pattinson. Head over to defiance.news where you can download previous shows and watch our films. 